This is One-on-One's NHL Podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Welcome back to another edition of Five on Three here in the playoffs. We got so much to talk about. We went back to three wide. Mike Messina is here. Tyler Mooney is back here as well. We got a lot to get to, and we will start on Long Island, where the New York Islanders have a chance to win a playoff series at the Nassau Coliseum for the first time since 1993, as they after they take game five. And the goaltending is the biggest story in this series, Mike, and I don't really think it's particularly close. Ilya Sorokin, 3-0. Tristan Jari hands game five to Josh Bailey on a silver platter. And now Tristan Jari is going to have to hear it from 9,000 New York Islander fans with uh, the season on the line. Yeah, I just don't know really what was going through Jari's mind when when he played that puck. I I, I don't know if he he didn't see Josh Bailey coming straight down from the blue line, and when he was right in front of him, he he just misread the pass or or misread what he was going to do. But he legitimately just handed him the puck and said, "Here, get have this breakaway shot. Do whatever you need." Please and, God, end the game. And, and like that's exactly what happened. Bailey buried it and. Like there was nothing else you could have expected from that bad mistake by Jari. Um, he's he, he's played well. Um, it, it sucks that that that's how that's how that game ended. But hey, <laughs> Bailey did what he had to do, and, and he ended the game. And Sorokin, man, he he's been playing lights out, absolutely lights out. He's been talked about for you would know this better than me. How many how many years has Sorokin been talked about as as a prodigy goalie for you guys? At least two. I mean, yes. twenty five. So. And he's living up to this point, up to all the hype that that was expected. And it just, he's doing everything the Islanders could have asked him for. He He's the backbone of this team right now, moving forward. And I could only imagine he's going to be the starting goaltender for tonight. So, uh, so I'm excited to see what he, he's going to be able to produce tonight. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, he was the first goalie off the ice again in practice today. And I mean, it's his net to lose. I, I don't know. There's no yeah, yeah, he's the guy for the rest of this Islanders playoff run. And you said it, goaltending has been the story of this series. If you go back to game one, this is now the second overtime goal that Tristan Jari would definitely like to have back. So, I mean, Sorokin, this, I would say this is probably his coming out party for the NHL. I think, you know, we've talked about him just because we've been following the Islanders and we're in New York, but maybe the casual fan hasn't known as much about him since he wasn't, you know, the number one goalie for the Islanders this season but he has certainly taken advantage of the spot that he's been put in and going in, going three and O against the division winners against Crosby Malkin. We all know all the stars that the Penguins have. He's been absolutely incredible. I thought the, I honestly watching game five, I thought the Islanders were going to lose that game, but he absolutely stole that game. And I'm very excited to see what he's able to do tonight. Yeah. 81 minutes of pure domination from the, from the Penguins and the Islanders somehow won and somehow is number 30 and, the reason that it's game six and Sorokin is three and zero is because Varlamov struggled. Um, he was he was really really good in the last fifty minutes of game two, but the first ten he was not. That shot from Brian Russ should never have got in, and even the goal from Jeff Carter was just okay. And the rest of the game he was fantastic. And the Islanders are the Penguins on their heels, and they couldn't get one past Jari, and that was his best game of the of the series in game two. Otherwise, this thing might be over. So. Uh, it's really been a yin and yang with Jari, and it's been 
so dominant for Sorokin. The other thing you want to mention with the Islanders is the Oliver Wallstrom injury. He went down, looked pretty brutal. Oh, um, that was a bad hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. His neck moved in an undesirable way, as did his knee. Sounds like it's a knee injury, and it doesn't sound like he's going to play tonight. So that's a big loss. You'd think that Zajac is probably going to slide in to whatever position uh, Trotz wants him in, probably directly into that third line with Palmieri and Pajot. But that is a loss. You know, you lose a 20-year-old up-and-coming power play guy who can shoot the puck and you replace him with 35-year-old Travis Ajak, that's a loss. Um, and they're going to have to work around that. But, man, this second line of Brock, Bow and Bailey has just been absolutely dynamite all, se- all series long. And, honestly, they're the reason that they have any goals right now, that line. Yeah, and I think, I think that's going to continue tonight. And I think, obviously, from the Islanders' perspective and – a fan of the game's perspective. I think the series needs to end tonight. If, if the Islanders want to go into the next series with as much confidence as it can, because they're going to be a challenge for Boston. Like, like we know that they match up much differently than the Boston and Pittsburgh does. And, and I think if you're Boston right now, you're kind of hoping that that Pittsburgh comes back and wins this series. Um, cause, cause I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they want to, they want to, going to Pittsburgh and be playing Pittsburgh either. So, so I don't know, man, but I want to, I want to touch on what we talked about before with Jari. I mean, I am pretty sure this has been said multiple times on podcast. Jari is not a, like a great goaltender. He's not, he's not really good at all. So like these mistakes he's constantly making really don't surprise me. And it really doesn't surprise me that they're coming in huge moments, like overtime, double overtime, and just during playoff fans in the arena, um, packed houses for for first time. It really doesn't surprise me to see him struggling like that in those big situations. He's just not that goal to goaltender that that the Penguins need on their team. They need to they need someone. Obviously, he he wasn't there from the, he's not their starting goaltender from the start. But he he he's like he, he's not a great goaltender as it is. So seeing him make make these mistakes kind of just makes sense, and it's something that I could have pictured before getting into these situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like you're just waiting for that moment when he's going to inevitably make a mistake because he does have moments where he has great games. Game two, he, he played great, and the, Penguin, or the Penguins had a great win, and then and then it just kind of falls off. He can never really seem to you know, put it together for a stretch, which is what you need in the playoffs. You need a goalie that you can just rely on, like the Islanders are relying on Sorokin right now, and the Penguins have not been able to get that from Jari. And the only thing on the line is the end of Sidney Crosby and Kenny Malkin's career. No big deal there, I guess. Uh, speaking of goaltending, Connor, Connor Hellebuck, uh, good at the game of hockey. As they Winnipeg sweeps Edmonton, this was the one series that's ended that we all got wrong. Um, that makes I, no sense. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> I, I think I sat here. I don't think I know. I know I sat here and picked Edmonton in a romp. So this actually was the opposite of what I thought. He's making a significant case for best goaltender in the world right now, although I still believe that belongs to Andre Vasilevsky, but there is an argument to be had as Winnipeg sweeps Edmonton and they hold McDavid and Dreisaitl essentially quiet outside of the game, the 4-1 game that they came back and won in overtime. And now there's a lot of conversation about Connor McDavid and his future and the future of the Oilers and how you will, how can you build a team around a $12.5 million player with a flat cap? Right? That's a fascinating question, and it's definitely something we'll get into more over the summer. But the Oilers head into an interesting offseason, having not won a playoff game. And year, I believe this is year five or six, of McDavid is 
a disaster in a series they should have won. Yeah. yeah. Tyler, you got it. All right, thank you. Yeah, I think that uh, just like this Islanders Penguin series, I think the story is goaltending here as well. The Oilers did not get what the Jets got from Connor Hellbuck from Mike Smith. Um, as I was mentioning to Chris before we got on, just with the way my schedule is working, I've been able to watch some more of that series later at night. And just watching the games, that was not a sweep. That the, Those teams were not as far apart as four games to none. But even on perfectly exemplified by the series winning goal by Kyle Connor. I mean, it, it was a nice, it was an, it was a nice goal, but it's a goal when you're, you're facing elimination, you absolutely need a save. So I think the number one priority for the Oilers this offseason is they need a bona fide number one goaltender, whether it's free agency, whether it's making a trade because they can't, I don't think they can keep doing this kind of plug and hope that these aging goaltenders work because it's just not. And I think this series perfectly showed that. Yeah, and even when they were up four one and 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 they lose that game, that like you can't you can't be going into the playoffs not win not, not winning a game or a series and letting up four unanswered goals to lose the game in overtime. Like like your the players need to step up. I, I know McDavid and Drysaddle were pretty much pr- pretty much useless this entire series except for except for the couple. I think he had maybe two goals, but they like. And I was watching Stephen A. Smith talk about it talk about it this morning i don't know if it was on espn or or his own show but how how does the best player in the world get pretty much nothing from four straight games and we're talking about him and dry settle being being together leading goal scorer second leading goal scorer and then last year dry settle being leading goal scorer and it, it just doesn't make sense how, how they were essentially shut down for four straight games and they weren't able to capitalize on any opportunity they had. And McDavid looks pissed seeing him on the bench, his reaction, his reaction to losing and his reaction to just being down in certain games in general. He does not look happy right now. He does not look happy being an Edmonton Oiler. And I re- I'm excited to see what's going to happen with him because obviously any team would kill for a McDavid type player that that's no question, but I, I, I'm curious to see what to see what what he's thinking right now because I don't know if, like does he want to stay in Edmonton Oilers after kind of two embarrassing postseasons? I, I'm not sure. I'm excited to see him. I, I was saying in the last podcast that I really hope that Edmonton wins the cup because <laughs> like I, obviously the Rangers aren't in and McDavid being who he is, that's what I would have loved to see. But getting swept is just unreal. It just I don't think anyone in the world honestly expected for Edmonton to get swept, but I feel like we also didn't give enough credit to Winnipeg and how good they could be as well. Yeah, no, they played a great series and they won three overtime games. I think, you know, you guys know it as Ranger fans from the Stanley Cup final. If you can't win in overtime, there's a good chance you're going to get bounced a lot earlier than you necessarily deserve to. Um, and that Stanley Cup final against the Rangers and the Kings is a great example of that. That's not a five game series or five or six. Rangers played a better series than they're giving credit for necessarily in hindsight. Uh, Cause I believe most of those games, not all of them went to overtime, but your point about, does he want to remain an Edmonton Oiler? He doesn't have a choice to be mm-hmm. perfectly blunt with you. He doesn't have a choice. He's getting paid 12 and a half million dollars. Again, we had this conversation the other day. I could argue he's the most underpaid player in the league because he's by far the greatest player. The three of us have ever seen. And I think that at least better than Crosby. And it, it just given the nature of the salary cap, he can't get paid $20 million a year. That's probably what his, you know, 
or what his deserved number works out to be. So he's not going to get traded. He signed through the 2026 season. This is such an interesting offseason for them, though, because Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a free agent. And if you let him walk, does that signal to other people that you're actively trying to not add pieces around Connor McDavid? Do you have to sign Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Resign Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. It's a hard one to say. Hard, very difficult. To to save face is my question. And if you're not signing Alex Ovechkin or Dougie Hamilton, do you have to sign Ryan Nugent Hopkins? I would say absolutely you do, even though he's probably going to get overpaid. And honestly, he's not that good. Well, I, first off, I don't think Ovechkin's coming anywhere. Um, I agree. I, I, don't, I don't think he's an option for, for the Oilers if they don't get Nugent Hopkins. But I do agree with you. I, I think – re-signing him is showing that that you're all in it and, and you want to win and you want to win around the players the great players you have like mcdavid the dry settles and players like that and with hopkins being there nugent hopkins sorry being there i i think that kind of solidifies that the team wants to win the front office is ready to do what it takes in order to to win they paid the money they get the great players that they have and i i think they're going to be willing to do that and I'm not sure what it is that the what the players are doing or aren't doing correctly that they can't capitalize on mistakes and shots they take and empty netters, but that, that they have to do something to to be ordered to, in order to win games in crucial situations like the playoffs and especially in the first round, at least a game or two. And, and you, it, something has to happen. Some someone has to go. Someone has to come in order for that to happen. I'm not sure who it is right this second, but I do think the team's going to sign, re-sign Nugent Hopkins, and I think they're going to get that deal good deal done somewhat soon, in my opinion. Yeah, talking about you know who the Oilers should sign, who they have signed in the past, reminded me. I saw this tweet the other day, and I'll read it out right now. So I think it was right before COVID, the Oilers gave Zach Cassie in that contract extension. He's getting around, I think, $3.5 million a year. So not a crazy amount of money, but that's still, that's still a good chunk of change, especially when you're paying somebody like McDavid. Um, here's a list of some players with more points than Zach, than Zach Cassian since signing his extension. I won't go through the entire list because it's pretty long, but a couple of players we might recognize, some Rangers on there, Philip DiGiuseppe and Brendan Smith. We have Chris's favorite, Leo Komarov. Some other players on here, Ben Sherratt, Danny going. Curtis Lazar, um, Luke Glendening. So I think you guys get the message. Not a great signing there from the Oilers. And they need – these are the signings you need to hit on when you're paying somebody like Connor McDavid $12 million a year. You cannot be giving away $3.5 million a year to someone like Zach Cassian, who besides beating down on Matthew Kachuk has really done absolutely nothing for the Oilers since signing that contract. That's honestly probably the only thing I really know Zach Cassian for is <laughs> the is the fight with Kachuk. It's it's it honestly is, and it's hilarious every time I see it. He scored a pretty good goal. I think it was Game Three. I guess my point with Nugent Hopkins is that the guy you need right now. He'll be twenty nine next season. If you're paying him till he's thirty six at seven million dollars a year, is that the guy you need for Connor McDavid? I would argue no, but who's really out there? We don't know. So. Uh, that will certainly be interesting to see for Edmonton as another year of Connor McDavid gets wasted away. Um, I did see one more tweet and then we'll move on um, that there is a belief that Edmonton's going to have the Steve Eiserman conversation, Steve Eiserman, Scott Bowman conversation with McDavid that he needs to, basically this is a conversation that Scott Bowman coach of the Red Wings had with Steve Eiserman that he needs to stop 
always focusing on offense and build a 200 foot game. And somebody responded to that with, if somebody has this conversation, Connor McDavid should just retire and just say, I'm done with Edmonton. I'll go play in the freaking KHL. Like this is ridiculous. I can't do it, <laughs> which I, I can't disagree with that statement. Okay. That's all I had to say about that. Um, the other series in the North division, Toronto won last night against Montreal, Jack Campbell with a shutout American goaltenders, by the way, we'll get to Spencer Knight in a minute. We just mentioned Connor Hellebuck. Jack Campbell shuts out Montreal. American goaltenders, man, they're rolling right now. Um, but the big story out of this one, as Toronto has a chance to close it out tomorrow, is the injury to the captain of the Maple Leafs and the former captain of the New York Islanders, John Tavares. Um, it is. Uh, it was horrifying, to be perfectly honest with you. It reached uh, non-hockey circles on Twitter. I had texts from people who, as you know, they say in Miracle – you know, don't know the difference between a blue line and a clothesline. Like what happened to Tavares? Like, is he like alive? Like it looked like a really, really serious injury. And thankfully there's no structural jam- damage to his head, neck, or spine, a concussion and a knee injury out an undisclosed amount of time. But let's be real. Um, we're lucky if we see him in the fall. Um, we know what John Tavares means to the Toronto landscape and to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's been a discussion that, um, we've had since he left the Islanders in 2018. Um, but they've now won three straight games without him. Um, they are now clearly playing for their captain and have an easier path to the playoffs now that Edmonton is gone. Um, this team looks like an unstoppable force right now, even without um, arguably their best player. Yeah, and, and it sucks because obviously not not intentional, not an intentional knee to the head. And I think that's, in my opinion, clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but to lose your captain like that, man, that that's a huge bump in the road while, while trying to make it to the Stanley cup final. And like, it, it, it's horrifying to see an injury like that. And thank, th- thankfully no structural damage, damage like that, the news that came out, but the concussion, I mean, there, there's really no, no timetable on when, on when he's going to be able to come back. And, and that stinks. That stinks for him. And, and more importantly, it stinks for the Toronto Maple Leafs as a whole, because he like, he is the back corner of that team and they like, he loves them and the city of Toronto, the city of Toronto loves him. And it's just sad to see, man. And it's it just n- never what you want to see in a hockey game, no less any other sport for someone to go down like that with such an injury. Yeah. Really unfortunate. I saw one article that said his immediate timetable would be around two weeks, which I mean, obviously the- that was just in- for the knee. I saw that too. Uh, and yeah. Obviously with concussions good. that you have no idea what that could be, but yes, I agree exactly what you're saying, Chris. It does. This is a new Maple Leaf team. They're, they're playing for their captain. It reminds me almost of when Marty St. Louis mom died with the Rangers, obviously different circumstances, but the team rallying around one player. And um, I mean, Obviously, concussions, we don't know when he could be back. But could you imagine if the Maple Leafs are able to make it to the conference finals, the Stanley Cup finals, and we get like a Stamkos kind of return from John Tavares, just the boost, not even talking about on ice, the the uh, production that he gives, but just the morale, the the morale that he would give the Maple Leafs, that, that would be absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I think the Maple Leafs are definitely the better team than the Habs, and I think they've shown it the last three games. And obviously really unfortunate what happened with Tavares and we hope that he's okay. Yeah, no doubt. And I think the sickening part of it is there was a, um, a post pregame of like his wife and his kids in the, to their blue Tavares jerseys, like sitting down to watch the game, like knowing his, I mean, their children, their 
infants. But no, they, they saw that is is pretty horrifying. Did you guys see the the Canadian newspaper articles? The Toronto Sun. The, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. That was like, a- that. That's so just disgusting to see, and it's horrifying. Like that, those people have jobs for for a newspaper and can write those headlines and those articles. So I think that is um, doesn't make sense. Very well said. Um, okay, we'll we'll move on. We'll lighten it up from that uh, to the team that the winner of Islanders Penguins will face. And that's the Boston Bruins. This is one that three of us got right. We all nav, we all got correct. We all picked correctly that Washington would lose in the first round for the third consecutive season after winning the cup. Um, that's not something you necessarily would have said um, back in 2018. You thought maybe this was a team who would be out to win another one in the next couple of years before the OB contract expired. And now it has expired uh, a 13 year contract that, you know, that's a pre-lockout thing that we're probably never going to see again. And you have guys like Jeff Carter and Shea Weber who are still riding out their uh, double-digit year-long contracts. And But Alex Ovechkin is a different animal than those guys, and he's a free agent now. Uh, so that's certainly going to provide some interesting storylines come the summer. Um, but the Bruins win in five, and same kind of story as Winnipeg, where three of these games went to overtime, so they could have gone either way. The goaltending situation in Washington was – crazy all season long and uh that continued into these five games and the Bruins continue their absolute romp through the East Division with Taylor Hall on their team I don't think that's that's the biggest trade of the deadline we knew it then and it's uh we know it now even more yeah most important acquisition the Bruins could have made and and it's paid off um he's been amazing but more importantly than Taylor Hall Tuka Rask man he he has been Phenomenal is not even a word I want to use. I, I My vocabulary is not good enough to think of a better word for phenomenal, but he has been phenomenal this entire playoffs. And I'm, I'm seeing tweets every, at like every save he makes. He's just, Tukarask is so good. Tukarask is so good. Tukarask is great. It, it's awesome to see him. He He's bringing this team, the, the motivation this team has to go play and the energy they have and the toughness they have on the ice. And that comes a lot from him, just, just being there and being a veteran voice on the team and like it I've never played hockey but like that definitely helps out the team going forward and wanting to play well for their goaltender not to let him down and it's not really a surprise that the Bruins won this series like they did um kind of expected that um it just it wasn't the Capitals year man Ovechkin's gonna have to take a pay cut if he wants to get guys around him in order to win so I mean we have to see what transpires from that but I'm not surprised that this is how this series went we all we all thought the same thing um, and I'm looking forward to seeing them. I think they're going to be playing the Islanders. So, so we got to look forward to that series. Yeah. This is the healthiest that we've seen and the best. I think that we've seen the Bruins all season. You know, they finally have a healthy Tuca, healthy Pasternak, healthy McAvoy, all these players that they were missing towards the middle of the season that, you know, might've explained why they had that dip down and were in question to make the playoffs until pretty late into the season. And, you know, the Caps were the higher seed going into that series. But as you said, Mike, I think, at least in our opinions, we all thought the Bruins were the better team, and they showed it. Um, You mentioned, you know, the Caps goaltending situation. We've had now two series so far in this playoff where a team has had three starting goaltenders in it. I don't know when the last time even one of those has happened. I know, I think the Flyers did it in like 2010, but I don't know if ever there's been two teams in the same playoff to have three different starting goaltenders and um, trade deadline acquisitions, obviously Taylor Hall working out for the Caps. 
Mantha had two assists in five games. So obviously they definitely have him for a few more years, whereas Taylor Hall might not be a Bruin next year, but immediate dividends, maybe not paying off as well as the Caps would have hoped. And I think they were just outmatched pretty much this entire series. Ovi's future was my Ram piece this week. And I want to read some of what I found because I think it's interesting. So Washington currently has $0 in cap space. That obviously includes like the OV contract expiring and whatever. He's the only forward coming off the books, but Ilya Samsonov needs a new contract. He was obviously not an entry level deal. He's going to want to get paid more than that. So now, as you said, Mike, he's going to have to take a pay cut three to four, maybe $5 million down to about four and a half million. Just if you want to do that math quickly. They also have 10 players over the age of 30 slotted to make over two and a half million dollars next season. That doesn't include Ovechkin who obviously is over 30. And again, they just don't have a lot of money. So, and we're in a flat cap situation as we know. A team that has a lot of players coming off the books is Colorado. Um, And I think if you add him to that team, that would be so wild. They'd be literally the can't miss team of the year. The only reason I think they're not is because Cal McCarr needs to get paid, but I do think he's going to stay, but I think there's going to be some really interesting conversation about how much do you pay Samson off because you know, you need to pay uh, Ovechkin and you only have $10 million total to do it. So I don't think it's going to be as easy as he wants to say he's going to sign just because of the situation we're in. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm pretty much just basing my knowledge off reading Ovechkin, reading about Ovechkin saying he wants to end his career at Washington. That's kind of what I'm basing my, basing my opinion off of. Um, but I mean, I feel like it makes sense. Like why, why leave this organization? He won a cup with still has a chance to win a cup. Let's say, how old is he? You said, I forget. 35, I think 35. So, so let's say he still has an opportunity to win a cup within the next three seasons, four seasons, possibly. I don't think he's going to like, I, I think he's going to be willing to take that pay cut in order to get at least one decent player around him where he can produce the way Ovechkin produces. Maybe not like, obviously not the way Ovechkin produces, but up to, uh, up to, up to a certain standard where he can trust, he can get him the puck and, and, and bury it when he needs to. And, and I think he's going to be willing to do that. But if he went to Colorado, that would be like, one of the most wild things I've seen in NHL. It would, it would essentially be kind of a super team, in my it would, opinion. 100 percent super team. And like, uh, that's something I've never really seen. And I, I would, I mean, I would love to watch that happen, but that's, uh, I don't think that's realistic, in my opinion. Money situation, yes, but for the sake of the league, I don't think it's realistic. I don't think that's something that that is going to happen. And um, I, I would honestly like to see him stay with Washington. It's just like, I would like to see him in his career there. I know Char was kind of in the same situation. He left to go left uh, the Bruins to go to the caps, but I don't think that's going to be the situation with, with Ovi. I think he's going to willingly take this pay cut to try and get some stars around him and win a cup again. Yeah. I hope he stays too. I just like it when, you know, players finish out their whole career. When you think of the Washington capitals, the first thing you think of is Alex Ovechkin, similar to the Rangers and Henrik Lundqvist. So I, I hope that he stays there. I think he will too, Mike. He'll definitely need to take a pay cut because they do need to find a way to reconfigure that roster a little bit. Cards on the table. I picked the Capitals to miss the playoffs this year, which 
didn't work out obviously, but I think we might be, you know, next season, I think there is a legitimate conversation. Can this team make it? Cause you know, you have a bunch of young upcoming teams in the now Metro division next year again, and you got Carolina coming back in. So it's going to be tough for them. And also if he ever were to go to Colorado, can we just say he would definitely be breaking Gretzky's goal record? 100%. Imagine Ovechkin playing with McKinnon, Rantanen, mm-hmm. McCarr, all these defensemen the Avs have. That would just be completely unfair. It'd be crazy, which is why I wrote about it because I wanted to. <laughs> Let's get wild. Um, okay, so the last thing we're going to talk about is we got five elimination games in the next two days. Uh, that's pretty cool that's why we love the playoffs tonight you got isles pens you got florida tampa and the the uh, emergence of spencer knight who is in the conversation of young goalies to win playoff games he's top five in like every category you could possibly think of the vegas wild and then you got tomorrow game five between the habs and the leafs and then game six carolina looking to close it out in nashville so we'll start with tonight um in Pre-playoff predictions, I pick the Islanders to win the series. So I will continue and say they will make 9,000 Long Islanders very, very happy this evening by taking care of the Pittsburgh Penguins and and, um, disposing of them in the first round for the second time in three years. I'm I'm going to get right to my point about all three games. I think all three series ends tonight. I don't think any of these three series are going game sevens. I, I think Golden Knights are a far better team than the Wild, and maybe they haven't played up to their full potential up in – for the last five games, but I think statistically wise, they are a much better team and performance wise, much better team than Minnesota. And I think the, that series is going to end tonight. That's the late game. We got Panthers lightning. I've said it from the beginning. I have no reason to, to go against the defendant Stanley cup champions. And, and I haven't yet. So I, I don't think this is going game seven. Spencer Knight has played phenomenal and credit to him, man. He, he he's doing everything that, that was expected out of him. I know Chris, me and you had this conversation after the world juniors happened. Um, mm-hmm. And there's the, there, there's been some high praise for him and, and he deserves it. He, he's playing phenomenal. And, and that's what I like to see, but I just don't think he, he has what it takes this in his first season to, to take it to a game seven against the reigning Stanley cup champions. And for the first get this, the six thirty game Islanders penguins, man. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I think, Islanders win tonight in Long Island, finish the series in, in front of a Long Island crowd that has been long awaiting to, to see this again. So, so I, I don't think any of the three games on tonight are going to a game seven. I'm with you on two thirds of those. I agree. Islanders, I think in the Coliseum, not betting against Sorokin right now. I think they get it done. Vegas, they're better than Minnesota. I can't see them losing two straight, but part of it is wishful thinking. I'm really hoping if one game, if one series goes to game seven, I want it to be this Florida Tampa series. So I'm hoping Florida gets done tonight. Spencer Knight looked outstanding last game. I'm rolling with the Panthers. I'm with Ty. I think Vegas is going to wrap this thing up. And we've discussed um, my intimate knowledge of Spencer Knight's game before. And if there's one thing I can tell you about Spencer Knight is he wins a lot of games that his teams do not deserve to win. And that you saw that last night. And I think that he can go into Tampa and steal another game. I don't necessarily think that he can steal three in a row, go full Thatcher Demko. I don't necessarily believe that, but I mean, why, why go against the hot hand? Yeah. The other one, the other goalie is the greatest goalie on the planet, but why go against the hot hand and Spencer Knight? 
Uh, so I got Isles and six, Vegas and six, Panthers um, pushing it to game seven. Uh, and then I, speaking of going full Thatcher Demko or full Halak, freaking UC Soros, man, in the two games in Nashville. I don't think it's going to go seven, though. I think Carolina's going to win that one tomorrow. And then, um, yeah, the Leafs are going to take care of the Habs. I don't think that any of us are going to pick the Habs in that one. Um, but your picks for Kane's Preds, or if you think the Habs are going to win, go on that island alone. Well, let, let me go back to Islanders Penguins real quick. How are the Penguins favored in this game? Why? I, I, that, 71. What did you say? Vegas doesn't care about the Islanders. We've I'm had not, this discussion not. a million times. I'm the only person in the world who gives a crap. Yeah, but there, there's no way that the Islanders should not be favored in this game. There is absolutely no way. I'm looking at the line right now. Pittsburgh's minus 110. It just doesn't, like, how? You're 21. Hop on it. Well, I'm 23 first. Yeah, 23. No, I <laughs> Just want to get that straight. But <laughs> I, I, I probably, like, that, that, that doesn't make sense to me. It does it not is, make sense. It at least so, should be a pick I feel like. They're so hot. I don't understand how, how Pittsburgh is the favorite in this game. But that, that – that's beyond the point, but Chris, I, I, I am with you on Maple Leafs. I, I think we all, I think we're all going to be on the same page. But I think, I, I think the Canes Preds is is going to go to Game Seven. Oh, I think it's, I, 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 I think it's going to happen, man. Um, Predators and Hurricanes have just been playing phenomenal hockey overtime games, and there is so much going on in every single period of the game. Shots hits aggressiveness and not a single one of their players has given up or letting down of anything or not giving it their all. And, and that's what I love to see. And that's, that, that's one of the games I, I would love to see go to game seven. Yes. If I had to pick another one, Florida, Tampa Bay is right there with it. But I, I think, I think Kane's predator is going to go to a game seven and I think Kane's are going to win the series, but I think Preds are going to give him a run for their money. I don't think it should be that way. I don't think it should, should have went to six. I think it should have ended in five, in my opinion. But now that now that we're at a game six, and the way the other five games have went, I, I think the Preds are going to be able to win this, maybe an overtime game, and then send it to a game seven, and then Carolina's going to be able to take care of business then. But I'm going Maple Leafs, and then game seven, I'm going to go Hurricanes. I'm with Mike, too. I think the Leafs take care of business, and I think this Carolina-Nashville series has – in the series where home ice advantage has been the most pronounced, especially coming off COVID. We've had a year and a half without at least fans in some buildings at all. Definitely not to the capacity that we've seen in this series. The atmosphere in Carolina has been great. Carolina's 3-0 in Carolina. The atmosphere in Nashville has been great, and Nashville won both. So I think Nashville gets it done at home, and then Carolina follows it up with a Game 7 win at home. There it is. You got five elimination games in the next two days. If they continue – uh, those series continue. They'll be Friday, Saturday, and then Monday, and all of this will be over by Memorial Day, and we'll get the second round to kick off the month of June. We, of course, will bring you a podcast every week for the remainder of the playoffs and into the offseason, and for as long as we want to do this silly little thing. For Mike Messina and Tyler Mooney, I'm Chris Hennessy. Enjoy the hockey, and we'll see you next week.